This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. Don't go out in the cold. Stay inside and curl up in front of my voice. (laughs) I'm Bill Curtis, (laughs) and here is your host at the Studebaker Theater of the Fine Arts Building in Chicago, Illinois, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much. We have, we have such a good show lined up for you today, I do not want to wait any longer to start it, because later on, we are going to be talking to the brilliant actor David Oyelowo, who is probably most well-known for playing Martin Luther King in the movie Selma. And for that movie, he says, he gained 30 pounds and shaved his hair back to make it look like he was balding. Which, by strange coincidence, is exactly what I had to do to get this job. <laughs> you can call us just as you are, though. We can't see you. The number is one triple eight. Wait, wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. Let's welcome our first listener contestant. Hi, you're on. Wait, wait. Don't tell me. Hi, this is Jody Riccardi from Highland Park, New Jersey. Hey, okay. We got some uh, fans of either. You personally or New Jersey in general? I don't know. Uh, what do you do there in Highland Park? Um, I work for a nonprofit HIV service organization. Oh, that's so very good. While living with HIV. Yeah, that could be stressful. What do you do to relax? Uh, well, I have two kids. Oh, um. so you don't relax. Never mind. I'm sorry I even brought up the concept of relaxing. Let's just move on. Uh, Jody, let me introduce you to our panel this week. First, a comedian who'll be performing in Montreal January 20th at Oscar Peterson Hall and in Vancouver January 27th at Granville Island Stage. It's Helen Hong. Hi, Jody. Next, a humorist and founder of Hatch Space Community Woodshop in Brattleboro, Vermont, who is appearing at the 2024 Workbench Con in Atlanta on March 2nd. It's Tom Bodette. Hello, Jody. And, and finally, a contributor to CBS Sunday Morning and the host of the podcast Health Matters, it's Faith Saley. Hey, Jody. So, Jody, welcome to the show. Of course, you're going to play Who's Bill this time. Bill Curtis will start us off by reading you, recreating for you three quotations from this week's news. Your job, correctly identify or explain two of them. Do that. You win our prize, the voice of anyone you might choose for your voicemail. Are you ready to do it? I'm ready. Okay. Your first quote is from a voter talking to the New York Times. I wish there were different candidates to choose from. That was somebody getting really excited to vote in what event that's happening where next week? Uh, The New Hampshire primary. The New Hampshire Republican primary, right. Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, they're coming out of the gate hot. They're capitalizing on only losing to Donald Trump by about 30 points each. (laughs) And they think they can seize the nomination by losing by slightly less in New Hampshire. Uh, It's really kind of sad in a way. Ron DeSantis, remember when he was the favorite for the nomination? He was going to win it. He got just 21%. In Iowa. That's not just a failing grade. It's so bad he is going to have to repeat the Iowa caucus. <laughs> I love the quote that Bill said that probably everyone yes. <laughs> wishes that they had. It's like, uh, you know, when you go to the office kitchen and somebody has brought in a box of chocolates, but the only ones left are the orange nougat filled ones. <laughs> That's what it. That's what the entire Yeah, but they're going to vote for the orange this time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, the nougat. Now, yeah. Tom, you live in Vermont with, and close to New Hampshire. Are you close enough for anybody to, like, suck up to you just in case? I can see it from my house. Um, <laughs> I, I literally can. Um, you know, I, I don't envy New Hampshire all this. It's like sometimes like being in the hotel room next to the really noisy couple. You know, being in Vermont, nice birds chirping and, you know, just wandering and and then there, but the politics in New Hampshire. There's, a, there's a, like a gross orgy. But going then on I, the then I read Wait, that. I, I got lost. A, in yeah. this analogy, who's having sex, Vermont or New Hampshire? <laughs> um, 
Well, I'm the noisy sex. It's the great growth. It's in the growth sex. In New Hampshire, got yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. And, and Vermont, we're too old for sex. So we're just like, keep it down over there. <laughs> I, I, if you didn't have enough reasons to feel bad for Ron DeSantis, he's losing, he's on his way to humiliating defeat, and he has to do it in what happened to be right now two of the coldest states in the union. I mean, it's so sad. Not only does he have to go to New Hampshire to lose again, he has to bring his snow heels. (laughs) (laughs) He needs those strap-on cleats. Yeah, exactly. They're so hard to get on stilettos. Um, Jody, your next quote is from an electronic highway sign on a roadway somewhere in America. Visiting in-laws? Slow down. Get there late. Sadly, thanks to a new federal rule, states will no longer be able to put up those messages to drivers like that. Messages that are meant to be what? Sarcastic. I'll give it to you. Funny. (laughs) Funny messages. You've probably seen this, right? States putting up these funny digital highway signs in an attempt to get you to pay attention to their messages. Well, now they have been banned. Across the country, Ah. scores of dads just lost their dream job. (laughs) I don't really see how this is going to be effective because how else are drivers going to look up from texting if they're not looking for a sign that says Baby Yoda needs a car seat too? Yeah. (laughs) Now, the Federal Highway Administration says those signs are dangerous because they are distracting. And they issued this new rule in a new 1,100-page manual of rules. Weirdly, they recommend reading the whole thing while you're driving. Uh, the worst part about this, by, by the way, is the phrase, quote, intended to be humorous. Yeah. I mean, who knew the most vicious heckler in comedy is the U.S. Federal Highway Administration? I love a corny joke. Yeah. Um, and I love, they were so, some of them were so funny and corny. And like, I just looked up one that said, don't drive star spangled hammered. Huh? Uh, I Am I it. right? I huh? Yeah, try okay, the you, meal. You, you changed my mind. The FHA is correct. Yes. <laughs> All right. Here, Jody. Here, Jody, is your last quote. Words of affirmation, gifts, acts of service, quality time, and physical touch. Those are, of course, the five love languages, a wildly popular theory about how relationships succeed. But according to new actual scientific research, we now know that that theory is what? Not correct. It is not correct. (laughs) That is the polite way of putting it. I would tell you what it actually is, but they don't allow that love language on NPR. (laughs) It turns out that those things are not the love languages. Instead, they are lust, greed, avarice, and sloth. This. All right, well, let me, expl- <laughs> let me explain before you, before you object. Okay. Okay. So the idea of the five love languages is that each one of us has a particular way that we prefer to express and receive affection. But this new study says that's all nonsense. Everybody loves all of those things all of the time, mm. right? Hmm. They're not like kinks. <laughs> it's not like you say to somebody, I'm a bit of a freak. I like it when you're nice. <laughs> Is food on that list? Food I is not on that list. But gifts, could be gifts. Gift. Gifts, gifts, gifts can be so food. Yeah. And acts of service. If, uh, look, I, I, I am evangelical about this. I have been telling people, this came out in the 90s. It is, 30 years old. Yeah, and this actually helped me in my, when I, when I kind of understood it, I, it helped me in my relationship with my husband because, it, you know, like, my, I think my primary love language is words of affirmation, and I right. would think, okay, well, he doesn't, he's not going to give me a compliment or 30, um, but, you know, he will always show up and get the dead roach that I run and scream from, or he'll unload the dishwasher, and I was like, okay, that's how he shows his love for me. Mm-hmm. Killing uh, bugs, killing insects. That's my kink, too. I was going to say, but that's what's proving his point, is that's everybody's kink. Nobody wants to kill the roach. Yeah. No, no, the roach is already wants dead. Hold on, excuse me, Helen, that wasn't my point. The roaches were not a love language, just so everybody knows. 
I should explain though. Act of service. Right. Act of service. Right? Act, I should define act of service means like helping with chores, doing the dishes, right. killing roaches. It doesn't mean like, oh, to express my love for you, I'm going to rebuild the roof in a school. Or for join Martin the Luther Peace King Corps. Day. Right. Right. No, right. right. We should have known love languages are bogus. The only way you can really know if a relationship is going to work is astrology. <laughs> Bill, how did Jody do in our quiz? Jody's love language is to win. Three in a row. Congratulations, Jody. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, panel, it is now time for you to answer some more questions about this week's news. Faith, the Guinness Book of World Records has announced that after receiving a significant backlash, they have opened an investigation. Until it's complete, they have suspended the record for the world's oldest what? Oh, I saw this headline. I think it was the world's oldest pup, Yes, the world's oldest dog. Yes. It turns out that the world record for oldest dog could be a hoax. <gasps> Even more upsetting, the actual record for heaviest ball of dog hair is totally real. <laughs> uh, a Portuguese dog named Bobby was recently named the new record holder when he died at the alleged age of 31, oh. unseating the previous record holder, Bluey, an Australian dog who died at 29, and we will now Do take a math. brief pause for our listeners to comfort their toddlers for whom we just spoiled the series finale of Bluey. <laughs> Wait, I thought we were going to pause to do the math. If a th- wouldn't, or is, is dog year seven or nine? What do you multiply seven. by? Seven. seven. So, so that would be a 217-year-old dog? Yeah, that's, that's like, it idea. should be named Moses. Well, that's... Right? that's <laughs> Yeah, I'm calling baloney on baloney. Yeah. You, knew, you knew something was up when at the dog's funeral, uh, they tried so hard to prove that it was all legit in the eulogies, right? I remember in May 1992 when you were born, Chris Cross's Jump was your favorite song. Groove <laughs> <laughs> was in the heart. Exactly. <laughs> up save money now in our bluff the listener game call one triple eight wait wait to play we'll be back in a minute with more of wait wait don't tell me from npr support for this npr podcast and the following message come from easy cater committed to helping companies solve food from employee meal plans to on-site staffing to concierge ordering support with corporate accounts nationwide restaurant coverage and payment by invoice easycater.com This message comes from NPR sponsor Stearns & Foster. To Stearns & Foster, your comfort is their everything. So they've made a mattress that's irresistible inside and out. Every Stearns & Foster mattress is handcrafted. Every stitch, every layer uses the finest materials like indulgent memory foam and ultra-conforming IntelliCoils for the coziness you want with the support you need. Timeless quality for your most comfortable sleep. Stearns & Foster, what comfort should be. More at StearnsAndFoster.com. On the TED Radio Hour, in the middle school cafeteria, Ty Tashiro always sat with his equally nerdy buddies. The socially awkward kids who were the furthest thing from cool. And he often wondered, Why am I so socially awkward and what am I going to do about that? Now Ty is a psychologist and expert on awkwardness, and he has some answers. That's on the TED Radio Hour from NPR. Climate change fuels hurricanes. China promises to stop. The big lie persists. Butterflies have hearts. Singers die. Plumbers win. Nurses persevere. Your world speaks. We listen. NPR Podcasts. More voices, all ears. Find NPR wherever you get your podcasts. Sure, for a good laugh, you could watch John Hamm in the new Mean Girls movie, or you could pull up that old clip of a 20-something John Hamm competing in a dating show. Who's ever going to see this? No one's going to invent a thing where everything is saved. This will burn into the ether. Never to be seen again. That's from our latest bonus episode, where you can hear our 2018 interview with John Hamm. It's an extended cut, so it includes a lot of fun stuff we could not fit into the original broadcast. Listen now if you are a Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Plus supporter. And if you're not, you could be. You get bonus episodes like this one, and you get to help keep NPR going. To sign up, go to plus.npr.org or visit our show page on Apple Podcasts.
NPR and WBEZ Chicago. This is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We are playing this week with Tom Boudette, Faith Saley, and Helen Hong. And here again is your host at the Studebaker Theater in Chicago, Illinois, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. Thanks, everybody. Right now, it is time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Bluff, the listener game. Call one triple eight wait wait to play our game in the air, or check out the pinned post on our Instagram page, at Wait, Wait, NPR. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is Lynette. Hey, Lynette. How, how you doing? I'm a little cold, but okay. I'm doing well, otherwise. You know, we've been doing this for a long time, and to my memory, you're the first person to, to, to say hello as if we had called you. <laughs> <laughs> Because you said, hi, it's Lynette. And I'm like, oh, hi, Lynette. Yeah, hi, it's Peter. And I was just calling <laughs> to see if you would like to play a game on my radio show, which is happening right now. Would that be okay? I've got my corporate voice on, my corporate mindset on. Well, Lynette, we're so happy you answered the phone. Uh, you're going to play our game in which you must try to tell truth from fiction. Bill, what is the topic? Downsize this. So businesses, as apparently you know well, do all sorts of things to save money. Layoffs, pay cuts. One company even gave up avocado toast, and now it can buy a house. <laughs> this week, we heard about a unique way that one company decided to tighten its belt. Our panelists are going to tell you about it. Pick the one who's telling the truth. You'll win our prize, the wait waiter of your choice on your voicemail. Ready to play? Yes. All right. First, let's hear from Helen Hong. Employees of a Colorado-based tech company who had previously been offered on-site childcare started noticing that childcare was seeming more like child labor when asking their children how their day went. We got to wash windows from the outside, standing on a huge swinging bench thing. But the biggest tip-off were the toddlers in floor mop outfits crawling around the shiny lobby. (laughs) After parents freaked out, the company fessed up. Our maintenance staff raised their prices recently, so we figured we'd create a new daycare-slash-maintenance synergy, explained CEO Grace Brown. And many of the kids actually like it, especially the five- to nine-year-olds who got desk jobs. One kid said, I learned Excel to keep track of my Pokemon cards, so it was pretty easy to do it for regional expenses. (laughs) A tech company combines their childcare expenses with maintenance expenses to save money. Your next story of professional penny-pinching comes from Tom Bodet. When Putney Paper of Portsmouth, UK, was ordered by their private equity overlords to reduce costs or face closure, management was flummoxed. We'll leave it to 35-year veteran manufacturing manager Eddie Harvey to come up with the solution. Bloody hell, he said with a terrible British accent. (laughs) We run a paper company with a paperless office? Well, Putney Paper canceled their off-site data and software contracts and turned everything back into literal paperwork using their own excess product. Expenses declined, sales did not. Why? Well, the spooky auto voice system was replaced by Ursula Pilsky, replete with a smoker's cough and boundary issues. (laughs) Customers are reordering just to talk with Ursula, and when she says, if you want your invoice that bad, come get it, They do. (laughs) Their equity overlords are taking note. Watch out, Mr. Zuckerberg. Your elders would like to have a word with you. (laughs) So a British paper company goes back to using paper and saves a lot of money. Finally, your last story of a closed-fisted corporation comes from Faith Saley. A Chinese man named Chang has accused his ex-employers of forcing him and his colleagues to quit, thereby saving the company from paying any worker compensation. But perhaps the ad agency was just trying to create team-building experiences. Maybe that is why they moved operations out of the city to a remote mountaintop two hours away. Chang reports, my colleagues without vehicles had to rely on a bus that ran every three hours and then walk another three kilometers through mountainous paths to reach the office. 
which, if churlish Chang had a better attitude, is a great way to get your steps in. And those stray dogs that chase the employees daily are basically support animals. 70% of the workforce quit. And then, presto, four days later, the company reopened their city office and began hiring new folks. Folks who understand that you can't spell team without employee abuse. So these, then, are the ways in which some company somewhere cut costs from Helen Hong, a tech company that combined their childcare expenses to cover their maintenance expenses, from Tom Bodet, a paper company that realized that by using all the paper they had, they could save a lot of money, as well as giving jobs to crusty old people. And from Faith Saley, a Chinese company that decided that they'd just keep every employee as long as they didn't mind trekking up to a mountaintop every day. Which of these was the real story of cost-cutting we found in the news? I'm going to go with Faith's story. You're going to go with Faith's story about the Chinese company? Yes. That got all their employees to quit by moving to the top of a mountain. All right. Well, to bring you the correct answer, we spoke to someone familiar with the real story. If an employer is putting a pack of stray dogs between you and your workplace, they put you up in a mountain, I don't see how that's not an OSHA violation. That was Ryan Steiger, a.k.a. Attorney Ryan, a workers' rights lawyer, talking about the extreme relocation and apparently not realizing that OSHA doesn't apply in China. <laughs> Congratulations, Lynette. You got it right. Faith was telling the truth. Thanks, Lynette. Uh, so you earn, uh, she, excuse me, so she earns a point, and you win our prize. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for letting me call you. <laughs> You're Bye-bye. Thanks, Lynette. Bye. And now the game we call Not My Job. David Ayelowo is British, but he has provided Americans with two important services. First, he portrayed Martin Luther King powerfully in the movie Selma. Secondly, he allowed a whole bunch of snobs to say to their friends, oh, you mean the actor from MI5? Great British spy show, like 24, but you know, smart. He is now starring in the new movie Role Play. David Ayelowo, welcome to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, everyone. Thank you very much. Uh, I spent a part of the week reading and over and watching some of the many things you've done. That just reading the list of things you've done made me tired. Uh, (laughs) Am I right in assuming that maybe specifically here in America where you now live, most people recognize you for the role of Martin Luther King in Selma? Is that right? Yes, yes, um, uh, they do. It's, it's very weird in the gym when you're just trying to get on with uh, getting buff and people scream Dr. King at you. Yeah, that is. Well, I'm pretty sure that happened to Dr. King himself. Yeah. So that's, and, and, and I have to ask this. How surprised are people to find out you're British? Uh, v- very surprised, which is both a compliment and at, at times feels like I'm under threat because uh, people feel quite upset about it. I I remember doing a number of Q&As after we did uh, Selma uh, at the screenings, and uh, African-Americans particularly were like, man, you from Harlem. Come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) I I have other questions, but I'm sort of stunned by how good that was. That was was really good. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about your background, which is fascinating to me because I'm a theater guy. Is, Is it true, the story we heard, that you first got into acting or stumbled into it because you wanted to impress a girl? Uh, It's very true. It's very true. Theatre was not something that was on my radar at all. What was on my radar was my pastor's daughter, who used to work the overhead projector at my my church, and I was so obsessed with her, I never listened to a single sermon for an entire year. And uh, one day she asked me to the theatre. I thought it was a date. It was actually to join a a youth theatre group. Um, And I I was so enamoured with her that I kept going, and that's what led to me becoming an actor. That is... Facing the pastor's daughter? That's the name don't of his make, memoir. Don't make it sound unholy. I wasn't trying to, be, I wasn't trying to do anything nefarious. And, and, I just liked her. And that was, that was like 30 years ago. You think she's impressed yet? Oh, she, she's full of regret. She sees me in movies and she's uh, uh, absolutely gutted. Really? 
I, I, I ho- only, only because I'm a bitter man. I hope that's true. Is it? <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's absolutely true. Every time I'm in the movie, I get a very sad email from her. Oh. <laughs> uh, that's a love language, I think. Like I was um, going to say. Yeah. <laughs> do, do, do you remember? I mean, it's funny. I, I, I usually ask this question uh, of athletes, but it just occurred to me I could ask it of you because of the story you just told. You stumbled into this. You hadn't wanted to do it. Uh, but there you were. Was there a moment when you first realized that you were quite good at it? Um, yes, yes. The, 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 there was a moment. I mean, you know, I, the first thing I did was uh, being part of that youth group where I had followed that that girl too, and the reaction afterwards was was pretty eulogistic from from everyone else um the unfortunate thing is it was offset by my mother who could never quite draw the line between make believe and reality and would just say why were you kissing that girl that is not your wife that is not your girlfriend leave her alone and 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 she actually did that during the performance. Which is no. <laughs> no. I wish, I wish I was lying. I wish I was lying. She stand up in the theater and go, no, you stop that. Really? What was so even you're... worse is that she, she was whispering it. Put that down. Put that woman down. Wow. <laughs> that's, when you, that's when you said, I have to get into TV where they don't allow anybody in. <laughs> exactly. Does she, imagine she shouted that at many screens. I, I want to get to your, the, the, the project that you're currently in. You're in many, but the one we're going to talk about is the film Role Play, which is on Prime Video. To get there, I want to talk a little bit about some other roles. You played Martin Luther King. You played a spy in Spooks, the TV show we know as MI5. You're also playing Bass Reeves, a gunman and a lawman in the Old West. Uh, So in role play, I have to ask you what it was like for you to finally play a suburban schlub like me. <laughs> you were my inspiration. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I wondered why you were following me around as I <laughs> went through my daily routine. No, the, so, so this is fun. The movie is called Role Play, as people will find out when they watch it, which you should, because the, the key plot element is this married couple decides to do some role play to spice up their relationship. Love language. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, your character, ironically also named David, uh, turns out not to be very good at that. It's kind of clumsy, it's kind of funny and endearing. I've always wondered, how does a very good actor play a bad actor? Hmm. <laughs> um, well, you tend to be around a lot of bad actors and you're just doing an impression. <laughs> oh, really? Excuse me. <laughs> Oh, that that guy I was in repertory with, he sucked. I'll just do him. (laughs) Yeah, you you, you now have several actors I've worked with uh, second-guessing their careers right now. (laughs) (laughs) That is, in fact, the best revenge. Well, uh, it is absolutely lovely to have you with us, David. And we have asked you here today to play a game that we're calling... Rolling, rolling, rolling... So your new movie, as we've discussed, is called Role Play. So we thought we'd ask you about the other kind of role play, games you play by rolling things. Answer two out of three questions correctly, and you will win our prize for one of our listeners, Bill. Who is David Oyelowo playing for? Chris Creel of Morristown, New Jersey. All right. Uh, ready to do this? Very ready. All right. One of the most popular rolling games is, of course, bowling. One of uh, professional bowling star athletes, Mike Machuga, is a two-time national champion, but he is perhaps most famous for his signature move as a bowler, which is what? A, the Machuga chop, where he throws the bowling ball overhand. B, the Machuga hop, a shot where his ball goes into the gutter, then bounces out to hit the pins. Or C, the Machuga flop, where he rolls the ball, but doesn't let go of it, and slides halfway down the lane on his stomach. I'm going to say B. It was actually C, the Machuga flop. What? He does this, apparently, to entertain the crowds, because it turns out in bowling, if you don't let go of the ball, uh, it's not a foul, even if you've crossed the line. So he does this thing where he rolls it, doesn't let go, slides himself halfway down, gets a lot of applause, comes back and rolls. That's a thing he does. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's how very you, easy it, entertained folks. Yes. His 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 girlfriend who we met uh, was very proud. Anyway, um, <laughs> here's 
Here's your next question. There is a sport called zorbing, where you climb inside this giant inflatable hamster ball and roll around. But just rolling around, not exciting for some people, which is why you can also do what? A, in San Francisco, you can zorb down the famously crooked and very steep Lombard Street. B, in Florida, you can race other zorbers through alligator-infested waters. Or C, in the Rocky Mountains, you can try bungee zorbing. Huh. I'm going to say C. David, have you heard of an American phenomenon called Florida Man? I'm going to say B. There you go. <laughs> yeah, uh, it is Florida, so of course they climb into these things and then run as fast as they can in them across the alligator swamp. All right, last question. Uh, in France, as you might know, there's a ver- they, they have a version of lawn bowling or bocce they call patanque. And almost every patanque court throughout France has a statue or a picture of a woman named Fanny nearby. Why? A, per tradition, any team that gets shut out in the patanque match is required to get down on their knees and kiss Fanny's, well, Fanny. <gasps> B, it is an image of Fanny Merlauneau, a 19th century wife from Lyon who invented the game to get her husband out of the house and stop annoying her. Or C, it's just a coincidence. There happens to be a lot of pictures and sculptures in France of women named Fanny, and some of them are near Petanque courts. Hey. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with my friend who said A. Right, yes, that's correct. To be shut out, to be shut out in a Petanque match is called Etre Fanny, or being Fanny, and you're required to kiss the Fanny, and I, I, I should say, by the way, that in France, in mm. French, Fanny means Fanny is the same it does in America, not what it means in Britain. <laughs> Bill, how did uh, David do in our quiz? In the final tally, I think David got all three. <laughs> sure he did. Absolutely he did. Well, David uh, Yellowo is starring in the new film Roleplay, currently streaming on Prime. David Ayelowell, thank you so much for joining us on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. What an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Take care, sir. Thank you. Thank Thank you. 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 Bye-bye. In just a minute, how boiled cabbage may unite the galaxy in our listener limerick challenge. Call one wait wait to join us in the air. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Trials in multiple states, state and federal charges, plea deals, witness testimony, gag orders. The trials of former President Trump are really hard to keep straight. And that's why we created Trump's Trials, a weekly podcast where we break down the biggest news from each of his legal cases and what it all means for democracy in about 15 minutes. I'm Scott Detrow. Listen to Trump's Trials from NPR. Big news stories don't always break on your schedule. But with the NPR app, news, culture, and podcasts are ready when you want them. In your pocket. Download the NPR app today. Instead of scrolling mindlessly, engage mindfully with the NPR app. With a mix of on-demand news, stories from this station, and your favorite podcast, you can relax without shutting off your brain. Download the NPR app today. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We're playing this week with Tom Bodette, Faith Saley, and Helen Hong. And here again is your host at the Studebaker Theater in Chicago, Illinois, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. In just a minute. Bill's love language is rhymes in our listener limerick challenge game. If you'd like to play, give us a call. one wait wait That's 1-888-9248-924. Right now, panel, some more questions for you from the week's news. Helen, farmers in the south of France are protesting uh, new government policies they do not like. And to show their displeasure, did they give you choices? A, dump tons of manure in the streets. Or B, strap boomboxes to their tractors and blare baby shark all over town for hours. I wish it was B, but uh, I'm going to go with the poop. Well, you're right, but it was in fact both. What? They did both. The farmers dumped huge piles of rotting fruit, hay, and manure all over the city of Toulouse. 
Then they needed the baby shark to add to it because in France, rotting fruit, hay, and manure are all just notes of a really fine burgundy. <laughs> wow, you do not cross those French farmers. You do not. This opens up a new frontier in protesting because picket signs are great, but they don't get stuck in your head. Right? <laughs> I saw on TikTok the poop thing, but the baby shark thing is downright evil. Yeah, it yeah. really is. But it didn't really work because in France, Baby shark do 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 is a meaningful sentence. It's, <laughs> it's a love language. I believe that really? yeah, is. Yeah. yeah, I believe it's a quote from Proust. Actually, <laughs> Faith, I know you well enough to know you're already deep into planning your Super Bowl party. So you'll be delighted to know that for just fifteen hundred dollars, you can delight your guests with a what? Um. Uh, fresh hot wings delivered by a Hooters waitress. No, right but, but it is the person that comes to your party that is key here. Oh. Yes. Is it a specific human being or a type of person? It is a specific human being pretending to be a specific human being. Okay, so it is an impersonator yes. of someone. Yes. Is that someone a football player? It is. Is it a famous football player? Must be. He, he is the He's, most famous football player. Oh, because he is actually Taylor Swift's boyfriend. And his name is... It doesn't matter. <laughs> I think at this point... His name is Mr. Taylor Swift, nay, Travis Kelsey. That's exactly right. <laughs> yes, it doesn't, man, it doesn't matter, I think, was the correct answer. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, if your Super Bowl party is lacking a six-foot-six man who vaguely looks like someone your favorite singer is currently kissing, fear not. Thanks to a sportsbook company, you can now order a Travis Kelsey impersonator to come take pictures and hang out with your Why guests. Why would you want him when you can get a Taylor Swift impersonator? Why would you want a Taylor Swift impersonator? He's too yeah. iconic. You yeah. can't impersonate yeah, I think, her. I think you gotta it, go for the B I think team. if your party had lots of Taylor Swift fans... A Taylor Swift impersonator would anger them. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Fine. False God. False God. <laughs> they would try. <laughs> um, uh, Bet US is the company. Uh, they say their licensed impersonators, presumably Mr. Kelsey's getting a piece of this, will thrill your guests with some classic Kelsey catchphrases. That's a promise. Oh. Catchphrases like, "Hi, I'm Travis Kelsey." <laughs> I play football. <laughs> and they promise, by the way, this company, this is true, the company promises that uh, he'll come and then he will stay to, quote, dance the night away. <gasps> which you know really means if you read the fight print, it'll cost you another 1500 to get him to leave. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up, it's lightning fill in the blank, but first it's the game where you have to listen for the rhyme. If you'd like to play on air, call or leave a message at one triple eight. wait wait that's one 888 You can catch us most weeks right here at the Studebaker Theater in beautiful and balmy downtown Chicago. <laughs> or you can come see us on the road. We will be in Milwaukee just a few weeks, February 1st, and in Austin, Texas on February 29th. For tickets and information on all of our shows, just go to nprpresents.org. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is Kate Kitson from Perrysburg, Ohio. Perrysburg, Ohio. Okay, now where's that exactly? Uh, just south of Toledo. Just south of Toledo. Okay, in western Ohio. What do you do for fun, let's say? Uh, what do I do for fun? I chase my two- and four-year-old around and do all sorts of things that a millennial mom does. I, I, all right. Are uh, you going to have a Travis Kelsey impersonator at your Super Bowl party? I mean, it kind of sounded fun. Right? There you are. Okay. We've discovered the demographic for this. Well, welcome to the show, Kate. Bill Curtis is going to read you three news-related limericks with the last word or phrase missing from each. If you can fill in that last word or phrase correctly in two of the limericks, you will be a winner. Here is your first limerick. Can't hear screams out in space. That's the adage. But bring nose plugs as part of your baggage. Because the odors are rife where you find signs of life. We found planets that smell like cooked... Cabbage? Cabbage, yes! yes. While observing a distant exoplanet, the James Webb Space Telescope picked up traces of dimethyl sulfide, a chemical that smells like boiled cabbage and is only produced by life. But if that's what life smells like, can you imagine... <laughs> 
the stink that our planet gives off. <laughs> no wonder the only images we have of UFOs are all blurry. They cannot get away fast enough. Uh, and while this boiled cabbage smell is not definitive evidence of life, it is certainly a big clue that not only aliens might exist, but also that they're bad cooks. <laughs> I don't know, mount... you throw some corned beef in there. No, no, we need to send a humanitarian interstellar expedition with instructions on how to braise. Uh, well, I like boiled cabbage, so that's... So now we I, know where you're moving, yeah, if you yeah, ever yeah. have to leave Tom, Tom volunteers for the next expedition. <laughs> yeah. And they won't smell your farts. <laughs> Wait a minute. Such an upside. I'll go with you. <laughs> Here is your next limerick. Since I want to be healthy and hearty, I won't diet and sleep like you, smarty. I'll be staying up late, having date after date. It is healthy to go out and... Party? Yes, party. Very good. That's right. A new study in China has found that dancing all night could be part of a very healthy and effective weight loss routine. So go out, get your molly down that bottle of whipped cream flavored vodka and wait for the health benefits to roll in. Okay, the study didn't actually advise those things, but how else are you gonna tolerate spending all night in a club? Uh, it turns out, by the way, in case you're wondering, modern dances are much better for you health-wise than traditional ballroom dances, you know, like waltzing or whatever. It's great when you clear the floor to break dance and get to say, doctor's orders. I mean, have you tried twerking? <laughs> you burn a lot of calories. Twerking. 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 I'm asking both of you. I've had my, myself, oh. no, Bill. You? Bill, I was looking at you. No, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I will pay the both of you to come to my Super Bowl party and twerk. <laughs> I'm going to Venmo you, Helen. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I, want, I want in. Yeah. That's my love language. They're going to yeah. get... Bill Curtis, everyone. No, they're going to get back spasms. Yeah, all right. That's true. <laughs> all right. Here is your last limerick. As a wedding guest, wear some nice clothes. Buy the gifts that the bride and groom chose. If you bring a plus one, just relax and have fun. Don't get down on one knee and... Propose. Yes. Exactly right. A new CNN article on etiquette at weddings says the number one rule, no matter how much you are moved by the romance of the day, do not propose at somebody else's wedding, especially not to the bride. <laughs> The reason, of course, you don't want to make somebody else's big day all about you. And if you have to propose, do it quietly and do not follow it up with. And we can get married right now to save on venue and catering costs. <laughs> Who does this? It's so obnoxious. It's like wearing white to the wedding. It's absolutely, yeah. Well, you know, you thought that was bad. Ugh. The, the, uh, the rule is, and you can imagine, it basically says avoid making any big news that might put the focus on you instead of the couple, like announcing you're pregnant or revealing you got second place in the Iowa caucuses. <laughs> <laughs> or he proposed to me first. I said no. <laughs> that doesn't go well. No. Or yay, it's not chlamydia. <laughs> Wait, is that just, was that just me? Yeah. yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> Sorry. Bill, how did Kate do in our quiz? Kate came to play and got them all right. Congratulations, Kate. Thank you so much for playing. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. What's happening on NPR Podcasts? Money. Power. Tacos. White collar crime. Green parties. Black reparations. More of the perspectives that make your world a more vibrant place. NPR Podcasts. More voices, all ears. Find NPR wherever you get your podcasts. The day's top headlines, local stories from your community, your next podcast binge listen. You can have it all in one place. Your pocket. Download the NPR app today. Now, it is on to our final game. Lightning fill-in-the-blank. Each of our players left 60 seconds in which to answer as many fill-in-the-blank questions as they can. Each correct answer is worth two points. Bill, can you give us the scores? I can. Helen and Faith each have three. Tom has two. All right. 
Helen and Faith are tied for first. So, Tom, you're in second place, so you're up first. The clock will start when I begin your first question. Fill in the blank. On Tuesday, the U.S. carried out more strikes against Houthi targets in blank. Um, Yemen. Yes. On Thursday, NASA's Peregrine lander burned up in Earth's atmosphere after failing to make it to the blank. Ooh, the moon. Yeah. This week, House Speaker Mike Johnson said the GOP would continue withholding defense funding for blank. Ukraine. Right. On Wednesday, it was announced that two members of Britain's blank would undergo various medical procedures. The House of Commons. No, Britain's royal family. This week, a maternity ward at a Canadian hospital is suffering a worker shortage after most of the nurses there blanked at the same time. Um, Gave birth. Oh, got pregnant, yes. For the first time in 32 years, the Blanks won an NFL playoff game. Oh, shoot. I knew I should have been watching football last weekend. Um, Pittsburgh. No, the Detroit Lions. With six wins each, the Bear and Succession were the big winners at the 75th Blank Awards. Oh, the Emmys. Yes, in order to support people giving up alcohol for dry January, Miller Lite announced they were releasing Blank. Um, their, their beer. <laughs> With the slogan, if this doesn't put you up alcohol, you've got a problem. <laughs> No, the actual answer is beer-flavored breath mints. According according to their press release, the company created beer mints for people who want to take part in dry January, but love the taste of beer too much to miss out for that full month, you know, and whose partners don't want to miss out on knowing they're being lied to about having to stay late at work. Of of all the things that I might miss about drinking, (laughs) the way my mouth tasted was not (laughs) one of them. Bill, how did Tom do in our quiz? Healthy. Five right, ten more points, total to 12, and he's leading. All right. So, Helen, why don't you go next? Here we go. Fill in the blank. During his defamation trial on Wednesday, a judge threatened to remove blank from the courtroom. Trump. Yes. This week, the Supreme Court heard a case aimed at limiting federal agencies' blank powers. Um, governing powers? In a way, I'll give it to you. Regulatory powers, yeah. On Tuesday, a judge blocked Spirit Airlines' proposed merger with blank. Um, Alaska? No, JetBlue. This weekend, a couple in Nebraska had to postpone their winter-themed wedding ceremony because of blank. Um, frostbite? Yes, extreme winter weather. For the second time in a month, a volcano in blank erupted. Um, oh, in Japan. No, in Iceland. This week, an ambulance heading to a hospital in India hit a pothole, and the patient they were transporting blanked. Came back to life. Yes, he did. The ambulance drivers were shocked when they hit a giant bump in the road, and the 80-year-old corpse they thought they were transporting suddenly came back to life. It got even weirder when the driver said, man, did you see the size of that pothole? And heard a voice from outside scream, that's Dr. Pothole to you. <laughs> He's recovering in the hospital. <laughs> Bill, how did Helen do in our quiz? Four right, eight more points. Total of 11 is so close, you're one short. All right. So how many then does Faith need to overtake Tom and win the game? Five to win. Here we go. Faith, this is for the game fill in the blank. On Monday, Defense Secretary Blank was released from the hospital. Oh, uh, young. I can't remember his name. No, it's Lloyd Austin. On Thursday, the House passed a bill to fund the government until early March, avoiding a blank. Government shutdown. Right. Under a deal mediated by France and Qatar, a shipment of medicine and other supplies reached blank this week. Gaza. Right. On Thursday, Pakistan launched airstrikes against targets in blank. Iran. Right. This week, a political candidate in Taiwan changed his promotional materials after three people ate the free blanks he sent to everybody, thinking they were candy. The free bullets? No, the free Tide Pods. Ooh. On Monday, Microsoft surpassed Blank as the world's most valuable publicly traded company. Uh, Apple? Yes. This week, department store chain Blank announced plans to cut over 2,000 jobs. Macy's. Yes. This week, a lawmaker in Kentucky accidentally put forward a bill, he says, that would make Blank legal in that state. Incest. Exactly. Specifically with your first cousin. In what is either a legitimate mistake or the world's most embarrassing Freudian slip, the congressman said that while drafting the bill, he accidentally deleted a line making it seem like he wanted to make dating your cousin legal. He plans to refile the bill, which he says will state definitively that dating your cousin is absolutely illegal, no matter how hot they are. (laughs) (laughs) Bill, how did Faith do? Did she do well enough to win? Yes! Six right, 12 more points, 15 gives her the win. That's a shocker. I think we all know I, I don't care about winning or losing. No, you don't, absolutely. As long as you win. You're very zen. 
In just a minute, we're going to ask our parents to predict, now that love languages have been debunked, what will be the next big theory about relationship success? But first, let me tell you that Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions, Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord, Philip Godica writes our limericks, our public address announcer is Paul Friedman. Our tour manager is Shana Donald, to whom we wish the happiest of birthdays. Thanks to the staff and crew at the Studebaker Theater. B.J. Liederman, composer of our theme, our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Grunboss, and Lillian King. Special thanks to Vinnie Thomas and Monica Hickey. Peter Gwynn is right behind you. Our vibe curator is Emma Choi. Technical direction is from Lorna White. Our CFO is Colin Miller. Our production manager is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer is Ian Shillog. And the executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Mr. Michael Danforth. Now, panel, what would be the next big relationship theory? Helen Hong. Tantric podcasting. If you can stare deep into your partner's eyes while listening to one full episode of their favorite podcast, your relationship is solid. Unless it's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, that's just creepy. (laughs) Tom Baudet. If couples would listen to each other more and talk less, they will eventually be able to stop talking to each other altogether. (laughs) (laughs) And Faith Saley. General Electric is releasing a white paper study that demonstrates a tight correlation between how compatibly people stack dishwashers and how long their relationship will last, called stacking attraction. (laughs) Well, if any of that happens, panel, we're going to ask you about it on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you, Bill Curtis. Thanks also to Helen Hong, Tom Bodet, Faith Selling. Thanks to our fabulous audience here at the Studebaker Theater, from the orchestra to the balcony. Thanks to everyone at home for listening. I'm Peter Segel. We'll see you next week. This is NPR. These days, it can feel like the news is fighting for your attention wherever you turn, but staying informed shouldn't be a battle. Everything you need to navigate the stories that matter to you is at your fingertips. The NPR app cuts through the noise, bringing you local, national, and global coverage. No paywalls, no profits, no nonsense. Download the NPR app in your app store today, or you can go to npr.org slash app. Former President Trump is in serious legal trouble. And at the same time, he wants his old job back. It's a really big story. But with different trials in multiple states, with plea deals, testimony, gag orders, it's also really hard to follow. So we created Trump's Trials, a new NPR podcast where we break down the big news from each case and talk about what it means for democracy in weekly episodes. I'm Scott Detrow. Check out Trump's Trials from NPR. From your car radio to your smart speaker, NPR meets you where you are in a lot of different ways. Now we're in your pocket. Download the NPR app today.